Hello there, everybody. Uh, this is Gabriel O'Sullivan. This is our episode two of Lost Boys to Found Fathers podcast, where Will and I are ex- uh, sharing our experience and what we uh, have dealt with with infant loss, hoping that we can be an encouragement to guys out there who have uh, dealt with the same thing. What we found when we lost our kids uh, was that there was a lot of information maybe out out there uh, on the internet or in books that was really good and helpful for moms, but there wasn't a lot of things out there directed uh, at men for how they deal with the grief of loss and how they cope with those challenges. And we thought that uh, we needed to have some information out there. And so we started this podcast, Lost Boys to Found Fathers, to help guys cope who have lost kids and also to hopefully offer some encouragement and some strength and some hope um, uh, for those guys as well as well, uh, through, through the experiences that we've had. Um, so we've uh, had one episode. This is our second one. Uh, these next couple, we're going to be sharing our stories, kind of what happened with our kids um, so that way you got some background about where we're coming from. Uh, and then uh, we'll get into some more topics, obviously, in the future. I'm going to let Will kind of introduce that in just a minute. And uh, if, you, if you'd like some more information, uh, certainly Will's doing a great job keeping up with our social media. Uh, you can look on Lost Boys to Found Fathers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And also uh, I wrote a book about our experience and some lessons that we learned. It's called Thou Will Be Done. Uh, you can look for that on Amazon. Uh, that will be done. Put a question mark at the end of that. It'll come up easier. My name is Gabriel O'Sullivan, and you can also go to thouwillbedonebook.com uh, for uh, an opportunity to find that. So without further ado, we'll bring in Will. Hey, guys. It's Will Haycox. Um, as Gabe said, we uh, we want to get into the stories of our children and, and really why we're here. Our first episode, we, we gave you the why, and we kind of briefly touched on what happened with our kids. But uh, we want to get into that and give you some context as to where we're coming from. And uh, sorry we're a little late on this. I think we intended to get this, uh, this second episode out early January. But uh, my wife and I had a daughter born, uh, 12, 30, 20. And uh, she's doing great. We're excited about uh, having her and, and everything that comes with that. But did have a, a little bit of a, a rocky start to getting her to the world, and we'll probably go over that uh, on the episode after we talk about the stories of our losses. But I uh, just wanted to let you know that's why we've been delayed a little bit and that uh, we're just excited about having her here, and, and we're excited about in, including her and everything we've been through with her into the story of this podcast and where we're going from here. Um, so just to kind of get right into it, my wife, her name's Hannah, uh, and I, we had, uh, we wanted to get pregnant three years ago, something like that. Uh, we went through, you know, trying all that stuff, and uh, it didn't really take. Um, we had some, some issues getting pregnant. We went through all the natural stuff, went to some, some doctors, endocrinologists, and um, we probably after a year, year and a half or so of, of trying everything we could think of, we were finally able to get pregnant, and uh, that was an answer to prayer. We we had some concerns at certain points that maybe that wouldn't wouldn't happen, but uh, thankfully, the Lord blessed us. We were able to get pregnant. We uh, we found out, I guess, 20 weeks, something like that. It was a little boy, and uh, we were just over the moon. We were as excited as we could be, ready for him to be here. Um, it was just, it was a, a crazy feeling. Both of us always wanted to be parents, and to have that realization that 
we are parents now. There's a, a child inside, Hannah growing, and he'll be here soon. We were just just so excited about that and so thankful and just couldn't wait to have him here. And uh, Hannah had a pretty uneventful pregnancy. Everything was great. I think uh, she would tell you that for the most part, her her pregnancy symptoms were pretty mild. Um, she was blessed with, you know, not too much morning sickness and things like that. You know, it was pretty great. And we had, uh, as we did with our, our daughter that was just born, we were, were going through a midwifery service and we were planning to do a home birth and, uh, you know, just have the natural experience there. Hannah's amazing to, she chose that. Uh, and, and I, I support that fully and I thought it was pretty great. Um, so we went through the pregnancy, had several different checkups. Everything was great, uh, had ultrasound, all that. And uh, I think it was around like September 27th. I could I may be wrong on the date. Something like 26th, 27th. Um, we, Hannah had some concerns that she hadn't felt him move in a while. And uh, so I think... We were in bed at that point. I was asleep. I didn't even know this was happening. She laid up, concerned, and uh, she tried all the things that you see. You drink fruit juice. You do jumping jacks. You lay your stomach on cold floor and try to wake the baby up. And I think after about an hour and a half, two hours, she, she felt like he had moved. She convinced herself that he had moved. And she still was concerned, but she went to, to bed and uh, got some rest. And next day was a Saturday. We got up. We did normal Saturday things. I cut the grass, all of that. Probably about eight o'clock that night, she came to me and she was just super concerned and she was crying and, and came in and, and just told me she hadn't felt him move all day pretty much. And she didn't feel him move much the day before. And she just knew something was wrong and uh, didn't know what to do about it. So we call our midwife had her come over thankfully she was 10 minutes away and she came over and she went to checking for a heartbeat with her uh her doppler machine and we didn't hear anything and we i guess we were kind of in shock we didn't really know what that meant we knew it probably wasn't good but she'd had some issues in the past finding his heartbeat just quickly because positioning or you know whatever else was going on and so she didn't freak out. She just said, you know, we need to go to the hospital, just get things checked out. And uh, we're blessed to live 10, 15 minutes from a hospital. So we jumped in the car, headed that way. And Hannah and I still were probably in shock, didn't really know. Like, we were obviously concerned. We were like, this, is, <laughs> this can't be good. But, uh, you know, we're praying the whole way there. And just, Lord, watch over us. You know, we're, we're concerned. We don't know what's going on. Please make Gabriel okay. Um, just uh, our son's name was Gabriel if I didn't say that um, but uh, make make Gabriel okay you know whatever this is help it to be something the doctors can fix all of that we got to the hospital they they rushed us straight in labor and delivery um, we got into a I guess just the normal delivery room I don't know if it was an ER room or whatever but probably after just a couple of minutes a doctor came in and he uh, got an ultrasound prepared he looked at Hannah, he took 10, 15 seconds, and uh, he he was a, an older guy, uh, so maybe his bedside manner wasn't as good as it could have been, but he, uh, the way we remember it is that he just kind of turned to us and said, I'm sorry, there's no aortic activity, 
and we just kind of looked at each other and looked at him and our midwife was there. This was before COVID. So we kind of just looked at each other and we're like, what, we know what that means, but what does that mean? And he said, I'm sorry, his heart isn't beating. He's not with us. And we were just kind of like, that can't be true. You know, like there's, you got to be wrong. You know, you got to check again, you know, make sure you're right. And he said, you know, I'm sorry. And turned and left the room. And uh, I guess a nurse was in there and she came over to us and just said, I'm so sorry. And we kind of, I don't even really know that we processed immediately what was going on. Um, Hannah pretty much immediately just burst into tears and sobbing and, and wailing. And I was, I was crying, but I guess I was still in shock of like going from, I was laying down watching football when Hannah came up to me and told me she thought something was wrong. And so I was ignorance is bliss and our child is going to be here soon. I think it was two days before his due date when we, when we did all this that Saturday and we just really were, were crushed in that moment to think our son who Hannah had been feeling, given life to and enjoying and been dreaming about who he was going to be and what we were going to be able to do with him and things we were going to teach him. And all of that was just gone. And there wasn't any, there wasn't any in between. There wasn't any sort of period of knowing something could be wrong. You need to prepare yourself, you know, whatever. It was just, things are good, ready for him to be here. And then, sorry, there's no activity. He's, he's not here. And they let us sit in that room for, I don't know. It, it feels like a long time and just a few seconds at the same time. And our, uh, our midwife was there for a second. And I guess she kind of explained what that meant that, sorry, you know, we, we did it. They did everything they could. They checked and, you know, he's gone. He's in heaven now. And I guess we had called my parents. My parents got there not long after that. Uh, we told them and, they were obviously devastated. My mom was devastated, was was crying, and uh, my dad was, I don't know that he really knew what to say any more than I did. He was just holding me and crying and and uh, praying over us, and they, they took us to a labor room, and uh, just a normal labor and delivery room, and basically, I guess they... I'm not sure how quickly it was, but they, they pretty quickly asked, you know, there's nothing, there's no chance that he's going to make it. Um, do you want to go forward with a C-section and just have this done? Or do you want to, you know, give it some time and see if your body can deliver him naturally? And Hannah chose, you know, I, uh, I was in shock and wanted to support Hannah, be there for her. And so I just kind of told her like what do you want to do and I think her we talked about this later I think her mindset was she wanted to she loved him she wanted to you know we, we weren't going to have any time to spend with him here on earth and so she wanted to honor him she wanted to give him the dignity of her going through the experience of delivering him and that's not that having a C-section, there's anything negative about that. But I think just in 
in her mind, that's what we had planned to do the whole time was for her to be at home and to labor without any medication and to experience it and be present in that situation. And uh, we did use medication. They gave her some some painkillers and eventually uh, epidural. But um, I think that's that's where her heart was, that she wanted to experience everything she could with him while he was still in her womb. So we, we talked about that. We just told them, you know, we we want to, to deliver naturally, and um, they respected that. I, I think they, they did an exam. She was not very far along at all. Her body was not ready for him to be here. So they went pretty quickly into, like, okay, we need to prepare you. We need to move things forward. They um, tried several different things, pills, and um, there's some... It's a crazy technique they took later on that uh, probably isn't appropriate to talk about on a podcast, but uh, it it worked uh, to a certain extent. But basically, she um, she labored. This was probably eight, nine, ten o'clock on Saturday night, um, and they gave her something to start her body getting along the process of of labor and. Uh, kind of just let us try to sleep and we obviously didn't really sleep we were both laying in the room just exhausted and emotionally spent and trying to come to grips with what it meant that we weren't going to have our son here and uh you know everything that that hannah had felt and all the relationship that she had with him over the past nine months was gone and and in my experience i had more of a uh, a hope and a, a dream for what the future was going to be and that was obviously not going to happen with Gabriel and I just we were both coming to grips with that and just trying to figure out what that meant and we uh, I think we were able to get a little bit of sleep and so they started on Sunday pushing her hard with um Pitocin, the, the artificial oxytocin to get her body moving and, and to induce labor. So that was, if you know anything about that process, that's very hard on a woman's body to uh, have more of the oxytocin in her body at one time than it would naturally and to have it be constant. And so she uh, was pretty much having labor pains all day Sunday. And they gave her some uh, opiate medication that help with the pain but the situation was that they could give it to her I think once every I don't remember if it was four or six hours but it really helped for the first hour and a half and she was able she was basically just knocked out and then she'd wake up in the middle of a contraction she'd feel pain and then she'd go back to sleep and um, I, I wanted her to be able to sleep then you know I knew we were both exhausted in my mind I was thinking if she's if she's knocked out, she's not in this anguish that we're we're going through right now. Um, but that medication after that first hour and a half really didn't do anything other than take the edge off. And so she kind of, she was miserable for the other two and a half hours or, or three and a half hours, whatever it was, till she could have another dose. Um, and that went on all day Sunday and it was just miserable. She she hated it looking back on it because she wasn't present in that situation like she wanted to be. She was 
she was basically just drugged up and we couldn't talk. Uh, she couldn't focus on anything going on. She was just totally knocked out. And I was, when she was asleep, I was trying to go in and out of the room and uh, our whole family was there. It seems like for the duration, her parents were already on their way and, and, and they came in, they live in Texas and, and they came in, they were there. My grandparents were there, my brothers, um, everyone was there. We had pastors coming by and I was trying to run interference in the, the time that I had and, and let them know we appreciated them being there. And also, you know, we didn't really want them in the room with Hannah. We wanted to, to give her space and time. And I, I think it was great to have everyone there. Um, but that's kind of a hard situation, I guess, in my mind. I compartmentalized and wanted to be there, show them. We were thankful for them being here, and I needed just a little bit of a break to go and talk to someone. But uh, it could be overwhelming, I guess, for some people to have so many people show up at the hospital. Um, but to, to move forward Sunday night, she'd made a little bit of progress. Hadn't, I'm not sure at what point her body was, but it wasn't close. And so Monday morning... They continued the Pitocin, uh, I think they upped the dosage, and they finally, mercifully, they uh, got her on an epidural uh, just before noon on Monday, and that was great. Um, the technician that did it did a great job. It took pretty much all of her pain away, and uh, there was still obviously some discomfort, but it gave her the chance to rest, and uh, I don't think she really got any rest when she was knocked out from the opioids. So she was able to to talk uh, with me and uh, our midwife came in and uh, we were just able to be there with each other a little more and to kind of go through that experience together and uh, it also allowed her body to relax and she I guess around seven o'clock eight o'clock that night um, things were moving forward and she was trying to adjust in bed they want you to to turn every hour or so when you have an epidural and uh, her water broke and so we were excited and ready for for not for Gabriel to be out and no longer with Hannah but to see him for the first time and uh, you know to see who our son was and what he looked like and all of that and uh, and really just for kind of for me I was ready for Hannah's pain to be over and um, the timing was uh, was pretty quick from there. I think they did an exam and his head was like ready to come out. And uh, Hannah pushed just a couple of times, and he was born at, at 9:09 p.m. on a, a Monday night. It was uh, September 30th of 2019, and so we uh, we had him there with us. We had uh, one of Hannah's friends who were planning to come and and do some pictures. Um, she was there. She was able to get some good shots of him and us together. And uh, our midwife was there kind of helping Hannah. She kind of turned more into a doula and supported her there. And we're thankful for that. But, um, you know, we had a, a time with just Hannah and I. I don't know how long it was holding him and just so delighted and excited to see him and, and who he was and just that. You know, how beautiful it was to to have a son and he's he's fully grown and he's he's here with us but there's also that 
that heartbreak of he's born, but he's born. I think someone said at the at the uh, funeral service, he's born unto heaven and earth, and uh, he was he was not with us. He's he's with Jesus before he ever came out into the world, and I think I I pretty quickly my mom tells me uh, I was just. I just said that's not fair you know I told my mom several times this is just not fair it's not not what we hoped for not anything we'd ever imagined um, it just didn't make sense you know we're both healthy things were great uh, like I said the pregnancy was easy and to go from everything being fine to finding out that our son is no longer alive and he's in heaven in a matter of an hour, hour and a half was just devastating. Um, we were, thankfully, I don't know if it was hours or how long it was. We were able to spend some time with him there. Uh, my brothers got to see him and hold him. My grandparents got to hold him. Obviously, all, all of his grandparents, my parents and Hannah's parents, got to hold him and, and spend time with him and cry over him and, and thank the Lord for the opportunity for him to be born and to, to know him and for him to be a part of our family. And don't know, it was just, it was, it was a, a great experience to have him and to hold him and to see my son, but it was also the, the hardest, and the, the most heartbreaking thing I've ever done to hold a little baby that's not live. And, uh, to have all of those those hopes and dreams for him, imagining him growing up and being strong and going to school and getting a job and getting married and all these things and knowing none of that was going to happen uh, was was hard. It's not anything I was able to process immediately. I'll say that it was uh, it was just all of those things hitting you at once and it was something that Hannah and I talked about over when we were able to talk uh, over the few days we were in the hospital that, you know, we, we don't really have any control over this, but we know God does. And uh, I was, I brought my, my Bible to the hospital and I, I think I was too numb to really, to read it and to, to process anything I was reading, but I, I opened it a few times and, and just tried to, to read, but I guess I was more praying, you know, Lord, work a miracle, heal our son, you know, bring him back to us, make the doctors wrong, something wrong with their equipment, you know, whatever it is, and he's actually here. But um, even if he's not, we know you're in control and ask that you would you would comfort us and that you would take care of him and you would you would give us an assurance that things are okay and that we can trust you. And that's probably not something I was too successful in praying right then, but that was kind of what I was saying. I don't know that I really meant it, but I was saying it. Um, but really, you know, that experience, I guess, made us grow up super fast uh, to go from probably at least me uh, being naive about like, going to have a kid, it's going to be great, you know, he's going to grow up and be, uh, he's going to be just like me, you know, things are going to be awesome. I'm going to teach him sports and teach him how to build things and you know all this different stuff and um to lose all of those hopes and expectations that we had for him that i had for him is something that i'm still dealing with and still 
uh, grieving over uh, a year and a half away from that. And uh, I think I'll probably, talking to Gabe here about uh, the experience with his daughters, I, th- I think that's something you'll always, you always feel, you'll always grieve over the loss of your children. But uh, with time and perspective, uh, been able to trust the Lord with that and to try to just give him the the fears and the the heartbreak that we experience and just allow him to heal us and to use us to encourage other people and uh, you know Gabriel at his service Hannah and I asked that people didn't give us money but that if they wanted to to give something in his honor Hannah had spent six summers in in Haiti uh, over the years and just has a heart for for Haiti and the Haitian people and she uh, has a contact with a Haitian orphanage hospital that uh, takes care of children that are malnourished and she set up a a link or an account to give to that uh, that charity that nonprofit to help children uh, who are malnourished in Haiti and I think to date there's been like I don't know two three four thousand dollars that have been given to this charity and that's I know initially uh, right after when I had people give they sent us something that said like 17 children were able to get the full treatment of calories and nutrition and all this to get them from like malnourished near the point of death to being healthy and being able to go back to their families on the right track and like their growth and development is good and all of this. And so not to be overly dramatic, but I think it's true that because Gabriel isn't here and he didn't get a chance to live on this earth and Hannah's heart and getting and having someone else benefit from his time here, 17 kids in Haiti at least now have received treatment and they're doing well and they're living because Gabriel didn't. And I think, you know, as part of this podcast, that's, that's the reason Gabe and I are here is to use our children's memories and honor our children by trying to help other men who've been through this to draw closer to the Lord and to be encouraged by the the sovereignty of God, the the way that He comforts us, and the way that He, um, you know, pulled us through that situation, and you know, I just think it's something that you can that I Hannah and I certainly felt the faithfulness of the Lord through this whole experience. We uh, we had two church bodies, or really three church bodies, loving on us and bringing us food and calling us and and texting me and just telling us that they've been praying for us and that you know the Lord is the Lord is faithful the Lord is is the one who can hold our pain and our grief and to, to cling to him um, I talked to to Gabe and some other guys from our church not long after we lost our son just a few weeks or months and um, Gabe you know encouraged us to for me to cling to Hannah and to communicate with her and love her and that they were praying for us and his whole family has come around us. And it's something that, you know, maybe didn't want to hear in the moment that things were going to be good and that 
the Lord's here and, and Gabriel is with Jesus and he's happy and healthy and he, has, he doesn't have to experience pain, but it's true and it, it does bring comfort to know that our son mattered, our son still matters, and he's in heaven. And because of his time on earth, Hannah and I are changed. We're, we went through the experiences we did and because we trusted the Lord, we are able to go forward in a way that honors the Lord after losing Gabriel and not be broken shells of ourselves. And I, I think within our human capacity, that's where we would be. Um, I remember Hannah and I talking not long after Gabriel was born, and uh, I just told her I went through some some crazy wild times in college and, and trying everything I could try and just, like, looking for fun out there. But, uh, you know, I told Hannah if if we don't decide to trust the Lord through this and we, we choose to just white-knuckle it and try to, you know, whatever, to me go to work and work hard and to just get through this and not deal with it, that I feel like with my personality I would probably fall back into those same habits and, and do the things that – I did years ago to try to numb the pain or to, to not deal with the pain and that it would ultimately end in Hannah and I not being on the same page and not getting along and probably a divorce and, and two broken lives and, and families broken apart and things like that. And that wouldn't honor Gabriel's memory. And that's not what the Lord wants for any marriage. And I think that's not, not me, not because I'm great, not my wisdom, but it's it's what the Lord allowed us to believe. And, and it's something that I think he brought us to that realization because we were trying to trust him even in the midst of our grief. And thankfully, our marriage now is, is stronger than it's ever been. Um, I think going through that loss of Gabriel sort of galvanized us and, and helped us see that the Lord is faithful, the Lord did bring us through it, and, you know, that's something that we'll always have together is that that hurt and that grief, that heartbreak over losing our son, but also just the, the truth and the assurance that God is sovereign over it, God is faithful, and, you know, no matter what happens, we have the hope as Christians that 10 minutes from now, five years from now, 50 years from now, whenever we die and leave this earth, we'll go to heaven and we'll see our son again and there'll be a reunion. And you can't take that away from me. You can't take it away from Hannah. There's no matter what happens, no matter how down we get, you know, how heartbroken we are, we know we're going to see our son again because we have the assurance of faith and the, the belief in Jesus as our savior. And, you know, I think that's, I think I posted something on, on Facebook that the hope that's within us, the hope to go and see Jesus and to be reunited with our family members is greater and stronger than any grief that holds us down. And that's something that you don't necessarily know every day. There's certainly days that, that you have that are bad, that are, that are painful, that you feel like you can't get through, but just keep telling yourself that and, and whatever experience you're going through right now, whether it's child loss related or it's marriage related or job related, whatever it is, if you're a Christian, 
just know that the, the hope that's within you is greater than whatever circumstance you're going through right now, and you'll make it through. That's awesome, man. Thank you, Will, for being so transparent, you know, and for sharing that story, which I know is not ever easy to recount. And I hope that people are hearing from you just what you just said, that there there is hope out there, you know, for, like you said, for Christians, like we know that we will be reunited with our loved ones one day. And if, if you're listening to this and you're not a believer, you don't know anything about having a relationship with Christ, you can. And you can have that same hope that we have. And, and certainly we would love to help you with that. If you want to reach out to us, certainly you can do that through those social media um, avenues that Will has set up and is doing such a great job maintaining and, and read his stuff, man. He's, he's got some wisdom that God's given him um, where, where he's, uh, where, and what he's writing. And um, we're going we're gonna, to um, pause here and we're going to pick up in episode three where I'm going to be kind of diving into a little bit of, of Will's story just by asking some questions for follow-up. Okay, so we're going to do that. Um, so make sure that uh, that you that you tune in for episode three. And before we go, is there a link to that hospital in Haiti that you know of offhand, or can you put that on the Facebook and whatnot? I'll put it on the uh, I'll put it on the Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I uh, I should have come prepared with that, but I did not. That's so okay, I'll get man. It out. That's all right. That's that's called a teaser, right? We're <laughs> yeah. just getting people to um, mm-hmm. to go there and see. It. So we'll do that again. That we can support those those kids in Haiti, and so. Thank you, Will. Thank you all for joining us today on episode two of Lost Boys to Found Fathers. We hope that you found some encouragement, strength, and hope um, uh, for, for men and for women who may be listening. Again, this is uh, experience and um, you know our experience, what we've learned, so hopefully we can uh, be, be an encouragement to others. And so we'll, uh, we'll sign off for today, and we'll pick back up on episode three.